My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can take them away from my father's hand, from my father's arms. How is it possible to hear God's voice, to hear the voice of Christ? How is it possible? How is it possible to recognize his voice from the many voices which we hear all around us? The voices that speak of all kinds of philosophical, ideological types of truths. How do we recognize? And I think the, the invitation for us is to, first of all, to listen to him. How do we recognize? Because we have been imbued by his word from the gospel, because we have read the word of God, that we have meditated on his word, that we have listened to the voice of the teachings of the church, that he is truly present as he says, in the scriptures, this is my body, this is my blood, that we listen to the voice of God, not only through scriptures, but the whole teachings of the Christians themselves throughout the centuries who have meditated on the word of God. You know, the great early church fathers who wrote commentaries on scripture, so Augustine, uh, various great leaders of our faith who deeply reflected on God's word. So how do we listen, how do we hear? Is by imbuing ourselves with God's word, by deeply allowing the word of God to enter our hearts. Because God's word is not just any word, any type of, as I mentioned, philosophy, ideology. No, God's word is imbued with the Holy Spirit. And so when we welcome the Word of God, the Word of God transforms our understanding, but also our heart. So we come to recognize the voice of Christ. I remember being in the Holy Land, and that's almost 25 years ago, 24 years ago. It's my only time I was there, but it had such a profound effect on me because it's to walk in the environment where Jesus walked, walked in a place where he was, it's, it was just a, 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 an incredible experience. And I remember being taken on a tour and we're passing by um, the uh, a type of, you know, it's like an oasis. There was a little, little area, like a large pond where there's a lot of water. And, and so the shepherds would bring their sheep and of course, when they bring the sheep to drink water, the sheep would get all intermingled. They were everybody. There's at least 10, maybe 15 groups, different flocks of sheep, which is quite a bit, hundreds of them there. And, and how, and the shepherds would talk to themselves, and they'd be talking with each other, and the sheep would be drinking water, walking around the pond. And then all of a sudden, I would hear one call, a particular type of call, particular type of sound, and all of a sudden, the sheep that was all intermingled with everybody, all of a sudden, they would start 
coming out from the water or, or the area, and they would go where the voice came from the shepherd. And the shepherd would make this one call and another call, same one, and they would all seem to come out and walk and follow him. And there's another call, another shepherd had a different type of a call, and then the sheep from his flock would also follow him, you know. So I was, I was really fascinated by that because it was, it was the people who just lived, you know, like, I mean, the, she, the sheep that were all around. And by that one voice, they were able to gather and then you lead them out. In the same way here, we have a world in which we live. There are voices every place. We all intermingled, you know, many, many groups, nationalities, beliefs, political, type of affiliations and yet and yet when the lord calls us we know his voice we can kind of discern what's not of god we know in the political arena we know what is not really of the gospel we know that sometimes people even as christians they embrace this type of platform we know that platform is not completely of god that's why we need to be discerning. We need to hear the voice of Christ. Well, the social customs which, we are, which people live around, they follow each other like sheep. You know, as you know, my, my greatest sort of uh, reflection on the sheep is, I, you know, I, I've been around sheep. You know, I was a far farmer. I was a farmer's boy, so I love to see my aunts had sheep as well. There's one thing about a sheep is they, they never look up. They look, follow the green grass, so they go. And that's all they wanted to do is feel happy, to be satisfied, whatever their desire. And so they don't really raise their heads too much, but just keep on going wherever the green grass is. And then they, once in a while, they raise their heads and they, they seem to sometimes wander off and then they don't know where they are. So they then try to get back or perhaps as a shepherd dog who kind of rounds them around tries to get them so they don't get lost. But the fact is this, we are like sheep. Jesus compared us to, to sheep. And so we ask, we, and, but he's asking us that we as his sheep, that we will listen to his voice, that he may lead us to the green pastures of life, that he may lead us into the true fullness of life. And this is why today, although on this feast of dedication, which is Hanukkah, Hanukkah today we know as Hanukkah, you know, the Feast of Dedication of the Temple as it was being, uh, uh, you know, uh, destroyed by, by the, uh, the, the uh, Hellenic kings, you know, uh, they, 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 uh, they blasphemed. Uh, and, and so is the Feast of Dedication. And here Jesus is walking and there the people gather around him. He says, why don't you tell us that you are this Messiah? Why don't you tell us? And Jesus says, I have, but you don't want to listen to me. You don't want to hear me. But those who do hear me, I offer them life. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And no one can take them out of my hand. Because part of this messianic teaching is something even greater. It's not only being of Davidic, Davidic line, being of the King of David. My Father who has given to me is greater than all, and no one can take them out of my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. That's the voice. That's the voice of a shepherd speaking to us, and we embrace the Father and I are one. That means Jesus in his humanity is divine, divine person. 
is of the same substance. And this is why the, the, the importance of that teaching today, you know, and the, from, from first reading, is that the, uh, the, 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 after the death of, of Stephen, when Stephen was martyred and the persecution began, many from the Church of Jerusalem left and they went to Antioch, to present-day Turkey, they went to Cilicia, other places, and they, at first, they proclaim the gospel or the, the good news to the Jews only, to Jewish people, to the Jewish diaspora living in outside of, of the Holy Land. And it was there that they proclaimed many accepted Jesus. But not only that, but there's also, this first reading says, there's some Greeks. So they're not Jewish, Greeks from Cyprus and Greeks from Cilicia. Uh, Cyprus, you know, we know today, you know, the island of Cyprus in Mediterranean. So there are a number of Greeks embraced. And so what happened is that the Church of Jerusalem recognized that there's something greater here, not only Jewish people, but also Greek descent becoming Christians. And, and so they sent Barnabas to kind of organize the mission among those who, um, who, uh, who were of, of Greek origin because Barnabas spoke. He was he was, he was from, from Cyprus. He knew Greek as well. And so he wanted to kind of organize so Christian life for them. But being in, in, um, in, uh, in, uh, in Antioch, he also found out that there was such a person as Paul. Sar uh, you know, he was known Saul uh, of Taurus. Uh, uh, and so we have Tarsus. And so we have Barnabas goes in search of Paul because they heard that Paul converted, that he had this experience of Jesus. And as we know, ultimately it was Paul and Barnabas which were set aside to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles, to the to people of, of non-Jewish background. But the scripture says today in the book of Acts, it says that it was there in Antioch that the first Christians were called, the first group of converts were called Christians, were called Christians. And it's a beautiful name. As you may know that in many traditions, including English, an expert, uh, um, another name to be baptized is to be christened. It means to become Christ. So we were all christened. We received the name of Christ. We received the character of on our very heart, on our, our, our soul, as the, as the teachings of our faith tells us that when we receive baptism, receive a character, a seal is imprinted on our very soul, that we're Christian, that we're Christ-like. What does it mean that we're Christened, that we're Christians? We become Christ-like. That means that, that forever, even if we are not to ever make it, because we have denied Christ, we have rejected his teaching forever, even in hell, the character will remain, that we, were once, we once belonged to Christ. And what does it mean to belong to Christ? It's to, uh, to receive the, 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 the greatness, the benefits, the glory of God, to be divinized. This is what we receive through baptism. The door is swung open to all the other sacraments, the Eucharist, confession. Confirmation, sacraments of marriage, sacraments of holy orders, being priests or bishop. These are the gifts that we receive 
the gifts from being, being baptized to be christened, to be Christ-like. And so it's a great call that we have received that we cannot ever deny. Christ enters our very being. God finds a dwelling place and slowly transforms us to being Christ-like. St. Faustina's spirituality was that she realized that not only that she is baptized, but she continues to receive God into her heart and that the Lord himself is transforming her to be like himself. She realized that. How many of us realize fully that God wants to transform us to be like him? Because by baptism, we have received the capacity to embrace. We have received the ability to enter into a communion with God, to receive the capacity to be transformed. That's what we received. We are able to, to, to attain something that we cannot do by nature, but is by special gift that God gives to us in his son. And this is why it's so important. We know that, you know, that we acknowledge, just like scripture says today, Father and I are one. This is the voice that we are to hear, the voice that we are to hear. We're not to hear something else. Today, we honor St. Athanasius, and St. Athanasius was a, a great defender of the divinity of Christ. He, he came to live in a period of time where there was a great theologian, but unfortunately, he misguided others. He took a portion of scripture, New Testament, and drew theology, which was actually uh, heretical. His name was Arius, Arius. And so he spoke of Jesus, and of Nazareth as being one of the greatest, you know, human beings possible, but he was on the side of human beings, on the side of God. And many accepted that type of teaching. Many accepted, especially leaders, many leaders accepted, many bishops accepted his teaching. Well, he's a great theologian, he's famous, he's a great speaker, he writes well, everything else. So they were persuaded to believe. Um, those who opposed him was Athanasius even though as a young, uh, young man, young theologian from Alexandria, you know, the school of, in Alexandria was a great theological school, but there's also a number of people who came out of the school who were heretical, who, who, who did not teach the true faith. And so here's Athanasius being 29 years old, not even 30, and they, the Bishop of Alexandria invites him to be uh, a, theolo a theological advisor for the Council of Nicaea. Because as you know, uh, Constantine was the first emperor of uh, Christian emperor, but he had problems. Some are favoring Arius, some are favoring, you know, the bishop of Alexandria and some others in Jerusalem, and so he wanted to settle the dispute and called for a council, which is today known as the Council of Nicaea, that took place in 325, and there, they said, "You got to, you got to give us clarity, clarity in teaching." And so the Council of Nicaea said a couple of things. One is, is there's three, three, uh, three persons of the Holy Trinity. Today we, we recite the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the creed called Nicaean and Constantinopolitan because it was, Nicaea spoke of, I believe, in, uh, I believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
Const uh, the uh, that's three, uh, Council of Nicaea, 325, and the Constant, uh, Council of Constantinople, which took place in 391, so we're talking about 70 years later, uh, uh, defined who the Holy Spirit is more fully. I believe in the Holy Spirit, not only I believe, but also the, the, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, and kind of spoke more about the theology of the Holy Spirit. But nonetheless, the Council of Nicaea defined number one is that there's Holy Trinity, all equal, consubstantial, meaning of the same nature. Secondly, it spoke of Jesus. Council of Nicaea said that Jesus is fully human and fully divine. Fully human, fully divine, not that he's fully human and also partially receiving some divine characteristics. No, he is the Son of God. He's the true, truly Son of God, fully divine. And, and, and so it was Athanasius who was the one who was defending that. He was one who was promoting it. And ultimately, as the Council of Nicaea, uh, defined it clearly, you know, as we, all Christians, all Christians, whether we are Catholic or Protestant or Orthodox, all accept at least the seven first, I mean, ecumenical councils, and Council of Nicaea is the second. Council of Jerusalem was first, Council of Nicaea second, Council of Constantinople third, and we had a number of other ones from, from which actually helped us to define our Catholic faith, the Catholic meaning universal. Now, the, what happened is after 325, Arius was very upset with what happened. And what he was able to do is persuade a number of, of political leaders to go after Athanasius. He considered him to be enemy number one of his, of his theology. And so the political figures at that time exiled several times. Uh, Athanasius from Alexandria. They didn't want him to have an influence upon him. And so he, he ran away many times. He went into the desert, and that's where he met the Desert Fathers, including the St. Anthony of the Desert. He wrote beautiful work on the life of monastic life. And so God utilized his exile to promote religious life religious life in, Christi in Christianity. So as you can see, when we speak of the early church, it's not just there are these figures that we do not know. They're real people like us. They have, to, they have real issues, and yet they were believers. They loved the Lord. They loved him because there's something greater here. There's something greater. is to believe in Jesus' divinity, to believe in him, is to believe in God giving us divinizing gift, transforming us. And this is why Athanasius could not say that he is, Jesus, the greatest of all, you know, human beings and having, possessing some d d d divine characteristics, being able to do miracles, being able to, to even to rise from the dead, but that he was not really God. But that's so very important. You know, if, for people who are interested, Islam or Muslim, Muslim faith, they believe in Jesus as, uh, you know, virgin birth. They believe in, in Jesus being a miracle worker. They believe in, in, in Jesus' resurrection. They did not believe in, in his crucifixion. Basically, in Islam, is an Aryan, Aryan version of Christianity, of, of Christ. Well, he followed basically Arius's sort of kind of teaching. So we, we, we see that. But, but he's not God. He's not the Lord. He's not the giver of, of the gifts that, that, that we all received 
uh, you know, by baptism, which gave us the capacity to come to union with God, to overcome sin. But we do not have the, the, the fullness of life. Only in Jesus we have. Only in Jesus we have. It allows us to enter, and then he wants to make us like God, to be sons and daughters of God. We're truly christened, becoming God-like. This is why Athanasius wrote this beautiful work on the incarnation. Why did God become one of us? Why? On the incarnation is so that we may become God. He, he even spoke, you know, cur homo Deus, as is written, why God became man, so that we may become God. And the whole theology of, of theosis, which even Faustina embraces in her diary. Why did God? Because he wanted to be like his son. What a great call. What a great gift. But we have to know and understand. We have to hear the voice of Christ speaking to us. We have to hear his voice, allowing the, that, that his, his truth to be imbued as we meditate on his word, on this dynamic word of God, word filled with faith, word filled with grace, word filled with divinizing power. This is the gift that God gives us, and that's why we gather here. We gather for this first portion of the Mass so that we hear his voice, we may meditate on his word, and we may come to know him. And then the second portion of this Mass, as we know, is Jesus offers himself to the Father on our behalf. That's the truth. He's offering himself so that we may have life, that we may have forgiveness of sins, that we may enter into communion. This is what the Lord says today, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish because I'll always be with them. They shall be mine. No one can take them away from me, neither death, nor persecutions, nor any type of other uh, accusations will ever allow us to be separated from God because he has already offered himself on our behalf and the Father accepted the sacrifice and the Father gave us to him, and in him we shall live forever.
Pensions. Hello, I'm Father Thaddeus Langton of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, and I'm excited to let you know about my new podcast with Father Timothy Childers called Keeping It Marian. To access the podcast, simply visit divinemercyplus.org or search Keeping It Marian on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on whatever podcast platform you prefer. I want to share with you the riches of the charism of the Marian Fathers, which is the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, how it touches our lives as consecrated priests and religious, and how this mystery can bear fruit in your life, especially by keeping the Word of God and pondering it in our hearts in imitation of our Blessed Mother. I hope you'll join us. Again, it's called Keeping It Marian. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.